You've tuned in to Get Connected. I'm your host, Mike Agarbo, here with John Beeler. We have a great program uh, today. All sorts of techie things we want to talk about. Uh, I'll be uh, chatting about my adventures in virtual reality. Is it time to get one of those headsets? I'll let you know. Uh, We'll also be talking about smart light switches. If you're looking to make your home a little bit smarter, been looking at smart bulbs, well, I think you should look at smart light switches. That might make things a little bit easier. And uh, we'll also be chatting about EVs. Kia says that your choice of music while driving their electric vehicles will determine how good your range is. And you drive a Kia. (laughs) I do. So you're going to find out what music to listen to. Oh, I already know. <laughs> uh, let's head into some of the uh, the tech news. And this was interesting. Speaking of EVs, Vancouver is proposing a policy to charge gas stations in the city $10,000 a year if they don't provide EV charging. Thoughts, John? I think it's kind of silly. Why? Well, because people want to go and do stuff. They don't want to sit at a gas station all day if they're waiting for the car to charge. No. So where are they where are the chargers? They're at the mall. They're at your favorite concert or theater venue. Those yeah. kind of places. That makes more sense. So they're barking up the wrong tree, don't you feel? Yeah. I would charge the malls for not having it? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I'll I'll walk that back a second here. If you're going to charge anyone, yeah. <laughs> the gas stations are probably the wrong people they're they're literally the dinosaurs that are not long for this earth because i can guarantee you that that real estate once evs start taking over will not be worth having that real estate for ev charging no right no No. so and you're right when you're charging your electric vehicle it's not two minutes or five minutes you're you're there for depending how fast that charger is anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour to hours yeah. If it's a level two or a fast charger. Yeah. So you see this in a lot of parkades and that type of stuff. That makes sense. You have a new mall or a new parkade. You don't have an EV charger, then you're going to get a fine. That make that would make sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm just surprised um, that they don't encourage like, you know, like the grocery store parking lots and things like that to have these chargers. Yeah. Like I'm pretty lucky and I've got one at home, a level two charger. So I don't have that need as much anymore, but there's a lot of people in condos and stuff that, you know, they haven't been able to get chargers into their parkades because of the expense. Right. And the lack of will because no one else in their building (laughs) has an EV. Exactly. So that makes it really difficult for a strata to make a decision like, oh, should we put this in because John wants a charger in his spot? Well, it's interesting. I was talking to uh, AJ, uh, you know, our friend, and in his building, it's a condo building, uh, they want to bring in chargers, but if you want a charger to your stall it'll cost you $5,000. Wow. Yeah. My girlfriend's... But they have to have a, a, a certain number of people that sign up for that to make that viable. Right. So, and, and that's because they need to add the infrastructure to the building. And then, then you have to, that, that last mile or the last 10 or 100 feet to the stall itself. Yeah. My girlfriend's building his, uh, has basically no infrastructure. So they have to bring that in. Yeah. And there's some pretty good incentives to do that. But then each owner, whether they have a car or not, that has a parking spot would be charged just for the infrastructure. Yes. Like a thousand bucks. Yeah. Good luck. And then, (laughs) then if you want the charger installed, that's an additional cost, but at least the infrastructure would be there to do that. Yeah. But getting a whole strata to vote on that. Yeah. Oh, hell no. They won't. You need at least like 
a certain amount of people in the building that have these vehicles that want to take advantage of this. Yeah. But this also being sold as a, uh, a property value increase. Yeah. I just wonder like if anyone's done any calculations yet on, you know, how much that increases the property value of, um, uh, of like a, a condo complex. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I guess we'll uh, find out. Uh, what else is in the news here, John, that uh, caught your eye? Oh, Sonos, the music uh, speaker company. Uh, they bought a company that makes a Bluetooth speaker that's powered by light. What do you think? So a solar speaker? <laughs> yeah, solar powered, right? It has to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, this company is called Mate, M-A-Y-H-T. They specialize in audio technology called Heart Motion. And it's basically, they sort of reinvented how a speaker driver works, apparently, according to the press release we're reading here. And um, they basically uh, sold that technology to Sonos for $100 million. Wow. Yeah. There must be something to it. <laughs> it's just a solar panel slapped on top of a speaker. It's <laughs> <laughs> like 10 times bigger than the speaker itself. Yeah. Yeah. But so, any word on, on when we could maybe see something? No. No, it just says that this acquisition will help the company accelerate its product roadmap. So I'm thinking, you know, your little Rome that you love so much? Yeah, a little Sonos Rome speaker. Yeah. Looks like a, a smaller can of Pringles. <laughs> exactly. Imagine if you're taking that to the beach and it's charging itself while you're at the beach. I could party all day yeah. and all night long. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. We still have a lot more to talk about on uh, today's program. Coming up next, have you been thinking about getting one of those virtual reality headsets, those Oculus headsets from Facebook? Well, I'll tell you my experience, and then you can decide. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. We're going to talk virtual reality now, John. This is a term that's been around for many, many years, and I feel it's really starting to to bubble up now. Like the the quality of uh, the headsets and the and the video and the animation, they're pretty good. Yeah, I partially agree. You partially agree? Yeah, I still feel like a lot of times they're still tech demos for for lack of a better term i i find that there's very few apps that would compel the average person yeah to get a headset because you know they're not cheap no no I, I think i spent 400 us to get i got the oculus headset um came with a carrying case and 256 gigabytes yeah the quest um, 2 yeah which has been out for a couple of years yeah but i mean normally in a like a video game console's lifespan being out for a couple of years is actually not a bad thing because the developers have gotten to the point where they're quite uh, familiar with the platform. They have a lot of good uh, content available for it. And my only concern, because I almost bought the exact same headset you did like a weekend apart from you. Yeah, you had it in your hands. I did um, because there was a great deal at Costco. <laughs> yes, that's where I got mine. But th I also know that Meta has been working on a new headset, so I'm a little reluctant to jump in again because I had the previous Oculus, the Go, yeah, which was great for about, I want to say nine months. Really? And then they kind of abandoned it because then the Quest 1 came out. Okay, so you're a couple generations behind. Yeah, 
and they really abandoned the platform completely. Like I fired it up a couple of months ago just to sort of see if it was still relevant and still worked. And I actually had to do a hard reset because nothing would boot properly for no apparent reason. And um, there's very little actually available that still works that I had even purchased before on there that I can't even reinstall. So I'm I'm just a little concerned that you know they're relying very heavily on the current gen hardware. Yes. To get people like you to buy it from Costco. Yep. And then they're going to come out with a new one. Well, of course they are. But the thing is, like like I said, the Quest Two has been out for a couple of years. Yeah. The main reason you got it was for which app? Well, I I've been wanting to get into it. I I tried. I'll step back. Uh, back a few years ago, I got a chance to try the HTC Vive yeah. headset. And it was super cool, but there was a lot of setup, John. I had to get it into my living room. I had to set up sensors around the room, like kind of the area that I wanted to be able to move in. And then the headset had to be attached via cable, cables to a very powerful computer or laptop. Yeah, so, so let's talk about that. That was the original VR. You needed a very powerful computer to run what's happening. People could see on a screen what you're doing, but you were you were encumbered by all these cables. Yes. The new generation, like the 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 go that I got was the first one that didn't require a smartphone uh, to be in, attached into the gla- into the goggles, but it was completely self-contained. Yeah. It, essentially, they had an it was like an Android phone built into the device. Yeah. And then the one you got is sort of like the evolution of that. Yeah. You're completely wireless. You have two controllers. Yeah, so you one are, for each hand. So you basically you can have like dual lightsabers in a game like Beat Saber, which is a very popular game. And a lot of people got that around the time of the pandemic starting because it was a very good exercise game. Yes. Um, and the nice fun thing about uh, the Quest is that you have the ability to uh, mirror what you're seeing to a local TV. Yes, so you don't look like a complete idiot to the people watching you. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I haven't figured that part out yet. Yeah, but it's there. Yes. And so that is, I mean, it, I think it's a really fun thing. I I just, I took a look at some of the some of the games. I still haven't found like an A-list title, maybe other than Beat Saber. Oh, I downloaded the Walking Dead one. Okay. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good, yeah. And, and that's why I think they've come a long way because I, I did the HTC Vive back must have been five years ago or longer. Probably five years. And the games were like crappy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like Atari kind of graphics. So Sony PlayStation 3 yeah. had the PlayStation VR, and it sounds like they're coming out with a newer one for the PlayStation 5. Yeah. I played with that one, and that one was a little less like the the fully encumbered PC setup, but you were still wired to your PlayStation. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you had these big kind of goofy glasses but they had the star wars game where you actually got to be a tie either a tie fighter or a uh, x-wing and how was it it's amazing yeah because it's all the star wars things you want yeah in vr and you're in that world yeah yeah Yeah. but again like it was cool but it didn't feel like it was quite deep enough to be like a full game in my mind it just felt like a tech demo again you know very cool and there were some really cool ones that i've seen over the years from these things i'm just waiting for like that fully open world game like like on nintendo it'd be like legend of zelda breath of the wild yeah uh elden ring or um uh, there's a whole bunch of other types of games that in vr would be just just be amazing yeah i think we're getting there like i've tried a few games now oh you know what's really good angry birds 
Oh my God, in VR? Because I love Angry Birds. Yeah. Where you got to, you know, throw the little birds with a slingshot. And so in VR, it is so cool. Your controller, um, so you put the headset on and the whole world is 3D and right. you still got to get the little bird and, and slingshot them and take the pigs out. Right. Right. Because the pigs are on these little buildings and things like that. But you're basically, you get to actually hold the slingshot now. Right. Yeah. And it is, John, it is amazing. Like, I, I love it. So that sort of hits on kind of the use case for the current state of VR for me is that it's for casual gamers. Yeah. It's not for long, deep gameplay. A, because the headsets, they get hot. They, yeah, they do. It's not, I know there's more comfortable straps for them. I haven't got into that yet. Yeah. But yeah, after a while, yeah, it gets a little. It gets warm. Gets, yeah. I mean, it's definitely better than my Oculus Go. Yeah. What you have as far as comfort, but also what's the battery life like? I don't know. It's long. Yeah. Yeah. Like long mean, enough. To oh, have oh a, yeah, totally. So I like some of the games. I like the Angry Birds VR. Uh, Beat Saber is one of my favorite games. Basically, these colored blocks come at you and your hands are basically like lightsabers and you've got to strike them down. You get a lot of exercise with this. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's so much fun. And you can get different music packs. I downloaded the Lady Gaga pack. I love it. Yeah. Um, I look like a complete idiot. Like I... We have to film you doing that. Oh my God. Like my wife came home one night <laughs> after shopping and I'd just gotten this thing and I'm in the kitchen and I'm just like slicing and she's like, what the hell are you wearing? I think I've gone down in her eyes now. Like, Okay. So the question for me always is, would Alana wear this thing herself? No. Yeah. So, no. That, so that's... But yeah, but she's not, she's not into gaming or anything like that. So, okay. So the games are one thing. And for me... The YouTube, YouTube, yeah. you can access through there. It's got a whole section of VR stuff. Like I was climbing, uh, you know, in Yosemite Park. Yeah, I was in like Amsterdam, and I could just—it was like a little tourist guide, and it, I could just turn my head around. I was like in their square there. I could just see everything. It was so immersive and amazing. And then, then the meeting spaces—I think it's uh, Horizon or Horizons—is yeah. the the Facebook meeting space. So cool! Like you can have your own little avatar character that's you, and you can meet up with people. It's kind of like them. Zoom in three D. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're getting there totally. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like I love the ones that you can move around, and so what you do is when you you set this up. Uh, and you can set it up for whatever space you're in. Like in my kitchen, you know, I've got a, a chunk of space and you actually draw that out. Like you put the goggles on and you draw it out on the floor. Yeah. And then it knows that's the perimeter. You you can't go past that or you're going to... You're going to go down the stairs. I'm going to go down the stairs or I'm going to hit the kitchen table. And it's kind of cool because if you go near the the perimeter, like a wall comes up. Like a force a, field. A force field. Yeah. And then if you breach it, uh, I guess there's a little camera on the front of these things. Suddenly your whole field of view changes. You're out of whatever you're in, YouTube or a game, and then you can see like the real world, but it's right. in black and white. Right. It's basically to tell you you've exited the area. It's a safety thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, get back in. There, there's no shortage of uh, VR fails on TikTok right now. I've been seeing a lot of people <laughs> flailing around their living room and then crashing into their TV or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so you got to be careful. Like really be cognizant of like where you draw those those boundaries. So I'm giving it like, I got to be honest, an A minus right now <laughs> for my experience. Um, I love I love the YouTube VR section. They've got great music concerts too. Like you can go and sit and yeah. I just sit down on the couch and, and, and just watch a concert. Like, yeah. 
I can look around the room. I, I did like the aspect of watching live events or, yeah. or concerts or uh, even like, do they still have the Netflix that you can sort of sit there and you can like be in a virtual theater? I think so. I haven't, yeah. I, there's so many things to explore. Like I would love it. Like if, you know, they started doing these for sporting events. Like if they were at the masters, do you know what I mean? Well, they've done, they've done that in the past. Like yeah. My Oculus go had that functionality where you could be at a, at a major league baseball game and they had like 20 cameras around the stadium and you can choose where you want to sit. Yeah. Which was fantastic. Or you could do like a live comedy show and you could be in the front row or in the back row or a concert. I remember going to see a, to see a concert, Chromio, the sort of jazz funk band yeah. uh, in New York City. And they had cameras all over the venue and you could be on stage behind the drummer or at the front of the stage looking up or in the rafters. Yeah. No, I, I love my headset. Again, it's uh, the Oculus ones from Facebook. They're renaming it to Meta, right? Yeah. I have, what do I have? The Oculus, you know better than I do. Quest 2. The Quest 2. I give it a thumbs up. Yes, they're a few hundred dollars, but all you need is a smartphone and a, a Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. You can even use them for PC games as well. You could hook it up to your computer Yeah, if, if you want to as well. So yeah, a bit of money, but I, I think it's, it's a ripe time to, to jump in. And now I don't have to talk to real people anymore. <laughs> Right, I can just ignore my wife and kids, and she probably likes that. Actually, yeah. yeah, the dogs don't like it. No, no, they they don't understand. Okay, we're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the program, Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. We're gonna talk smart home now, and specifically smart lighting, smart switches. There's so much tech available now in the smart home category. I think it's important you kind of choose the right stuff and the right ecosystem. I would go one step further. Oh, okay. I would take an inventory of what you currently have in your house. Smart home stuff? No. What what your wiring situation is, the the light switches that you have currently that you might want to upgrade to smart. Yeah. You're going to make sure that those are going to be compatible with whatever you want to get. Yeah. Because one of the tricks that, one of the things that you and I both have discovered is when you get a smart light switch instead of a smart bulb, Yeah. is that sometimes that box on the wall that you want to upgrade that switch jam it into <laughs> it's too small yeah um and you also uh got a good uh, tip on on these things as well metal versus plastic they're called a gang box that's yeah. what these things are in your wall they're you know they're bolted into the or the drywalls around it and they typically have a bunch of wires going into it and it doesn't matter if it's smart if it's a light switch or if it's a thermostat or something else like that you're going to have to deal with the sort of a really cramped space. Yeah. And it's not good for these things to be stuffed. Yes. I I, I got uh, a, a smart light switch that I wanted to use in uh, in my main dining room. My main dining room. It's not like I have two of them. <laughs> You're rich. <laughs> and, and, and I found that the box, the gang box, I have plastic gang boxes, but they're just very small. Yeah. And if you've ever looked at how big some of these smart light switches can be. Yeah. There's a lot to them. There's a big box. Yeah. Yeah. But the metal versus plastic thing, I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So I had an electrician do mine because I have a bad history of <laughs> installing electrical, <laughs> you know, wiring or devices. So I thought, you know, I want to live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but anyway, um, 
we were having some challenges like um you know some of uh, the switches were kind of burning out and uh you know my electrician basically said uh the metal boxes are sometimes better for that because they dissipate heat better right. yeah opposed to the plastic ones but there's a flip to that though john <laughs> yes. because most of these things they're obviously using wireless technology yeah. to access your router or whatever hub wireless hub you got going on this and metal's not great for that no plastic is way better yeah it's a little it's called a faraday cage it's how you prevent signals to get through totally totally or at least it dramatically decreases the the signal strength so if you've got switches that are like really far away from your your wi-fi router it might be something to consider yeah for the most part they kind of work okay like i haven't had too much problem with that on that uh another big thing to consider is i'm talking the ecosystem as well i try not to mix and match them because it's nice to be able to go into one app to be able to control them all and set up schedules and routines right i know there's apps out there that kind of can blend you know different models and like manufacturers but um like for example i i did my house with leviton smart switches right and so now it's easy right like if i have a new one i have to add or if i want to do a schedule like i'm leaving and i want the lights to come on at uh you know eight at night now it's all in one app and easy to control so i guess continuing that thread though when i set up my stuff i my ecosystem in my house is all amazon based yes i won't say her name yep although she has a new name that you can use now ziggy ziggy yeah um and the, the 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 nice thing is is that once you've uh, set up the app, the native app for whatever the device is, you go into the Amazon app. Yes, and then you can basically add a skill for that particular brand. Yeah, and then it sort of aggregates all of it. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that's the thing, right? Even though. You might have different manufacturers, and I recommend trying to stick to one. Uh, the nice thing is most of them, whether you buy a Leventon or a TP-Link or Treat Life or whatever, uh, most of them will integrate with Amazon or Google. Well, that's something I would check when you're at the store or even before you go to the store. If you have a product in mind, see if it's compatible with your ecosystem. Yeah. Most of the time they are. Yeah. There's only a, there's only been a few that we've come across that haven't been compatible, and that was just because they're probably already been discontinued. Well, there's also uh, Apple's HomeKit standard, which is a whole other beast. It is. Yeah. And it is gaining some popularity. But again, you need to do your research before you go to the store. Yeah. Uh, just, just to make sure that you're getting the right thing uh, that's compatible with all the people that you have in your house. Because that's the other problem too, is what if you have a mixed uh, smartphone environment in your house? That's the, that's the problem with the HomeKit stuff, right? Yeah. Like if you ever just get out of the Apple ecosystem, yeah. then it's a lot tougher. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to make that all work. Another big uh, smart lighting company out there that make great light switches, I know Gray, one of our contributors, he has Lutron throughout yeah. his home and they make some great stuff. Yeah. One thing I learned, uh, there's different smart switches. Uh, you have to make sure that if you need more than one light switch in a room, so in my kitchen, two of the light switches control one of the lights. That's called a three-way switch. I you, have that in my main dining room. Yeah. So they, they call it a three-way switch even if you just have two. Yeah. Right? So if you've got anything more than one switch controlling a light, it's a three-way switch. And it's a little trickier to wire and you generally have to look for it and it'll tell you on the box that this is a three-way switch. Yeah. 
And sometimes you need like a n- neutral line. Yes, for, a, com- a companion. Right. Or, or they call it, uh, Levitin calls it a remote switch. Right. It's not smart. Yeah. But it, it needs, you need to have that to make the three-way switch thing work. And you have one in your dining area. Yeah. And I have one in both of my bathroom or bedrooms, uh, ceiling fans. Yes. Unless it's specifically for a ceiling fan, you probably can't use a smart switch with those devices. No, but the nice thing is um, I've come across two. Leviton has a, a smart fan light switch yeah. and Treat Life is another brand. Right. They make a smart fan light switch as well. Right. So you'll want to look into those yeah. if you've got one of those ceiling fans. Yeah, because generally they have, they're basically just a, three-way switch because you have the ability to sort of pull the little dongles down yes and change like the the intensity of the light but also to change the speed of the fan or yeah. maybe you have a remote for the fan yeah but it's nice like if you got that set up now you can use your voice turn the fan on yeah yeah which i love yes which i love um the leviton ones i like them because they look like they're decora switches that's a, a style of switch you know the big paddle ones right they look like normal light switches yeah which is kind of nice yeah some of the other ones look like space switches. Well, I, I like have from a, a spaceship. I have a really nice one. I think it's from TP Link in my garage that actually has. It looks like the Decora. It's very similar, just a little bit smaller. Yeah. Uh, and it has like three little buttons that you can change the the, the brightness if your lights are compatible. Because that's the other thing too is if you're changing the switch, you might have to change the bulbs that are in there if you want to make them dimmable, especially if you're using LEDs. Yeah. You have to, you have to get dimmable LEDs. That's a whole other. Fortunately, they're pretty inexpensive, though. Another thing I learned is uh, some of these more advanced uh, light switches. I got one from Brilliant, uh, this company out of California. They make these really cool light switches. They're like little color panels. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so they make sizes for like one light switch, two, three, I think up to four. It's kind of having like, kind of like having an iPod touch as, yeah. your, as your light switch. Yeah, so it will fit into whatever size of box that you have to put it in um but i found it did not like older lights uh so i have those uh those little puck li- i don't know what you call them the little puck lights spotlights in my kitchen right and those were kind of the old incandescent no halogen ones halogen ones oh god it yeah it it was too much wattage yeah and it it totally froze the the panel all the time right and i was going what's going on and so i had to change those all over to led which i should anyways right because they use dramatically less electricity yeah yeah so that's another thing to learn if you're having any issues overloading things but um i went with the light switches i know there's companies whiz philips hue they make some great smart bulbs that you can control with an app or your voice however if you use the light switch to turn off that lamp that's got the smart bulb the only way to turn it on again is the light switch. You've basically turned off the computer. Yes. Yeah. However, that being said, I know Philips now has another little device that you can install in with your light switch that takes care of that. But then there's a whole, you know what I mean? Like then you got the smart bulb, then you got to get this other little piece to put into the light switch box. The, the nice thing with the bulbs though is you have the ability to easily change the color profile for your lights. Yeah. Which you don't get with just by changing the switch. Yeah. So I have a few of them in my house. Uh, I have uh, Wiz light bulbs. I like them because they just use Wi-Fi. You don't have to get a hub or anything. So I've got some in my family room and they're just two like table lamps. And so uh, all we use is either our voice, you know, 
yep. asking the voice assistant to turn them on or off, or you can get uh, a little remote control. Yeah, for Wiz anyway. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, and IKEA has a little remote you can get for their light smart smart lights now too. Yeah. And they have track lighting, they have bulbs, they have all kinds of stuff like that. And um, thing I like is I like using the smart assistants with the bulbs. So like in my living room, I can set it to movie mode yeah, and it dims the lights down so that you still get a little bit of light, but you're not enough. You're getting reflections on your TV or anything like that too. Yeah. Uh, but then you can change it like for party mode or whatever else you want to. That's pretty cool. Okay, we're gonna have to take another break. When we come back, does your choice of music affect the range of your electric vehicle? You'll be surprised to find out back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler, Canada's number one tech radio show. We're going to talk about electric vehicles now and music. John, both you and I drive EVs. Well, it turns out that the music we listen to can affect our range. It, it sure can. Um, so, and, and this is actually an interesting uh, uh, research study that was done by Kia, the maker of my EV. Yeah in the UK and they basically um, they did a bunch of sort of tests with giving people uh, EVs with very specific playlists and what happened was they found that basically over the course of the day when these people and these are people that had never driven EVs before either um, the music style dictated their their range in their vehicles I think it comes down to a pretty simple premise. If you listen to really fast music, you drive fast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think I need to be a scientist or a researcher to kind of make that conclusion. Well, yeah. I mean, it... (sighs) They, they did. They only did this test for over two days, so it's not yeah. like a long-term study or anything like that. But it's just an interesting uh, sort of uh, observation that they had. Yeah. That uh, where basically, if you listen to classical music, it encouraged drivers to drive with a cooler head and a lighter uh, foot on the pedal. Yeah, a lighter touch. Lighter touch. Whereas up-tempo pop music resulted in more spirited driving styles that drained your range. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. You go faster in an EV uh, at a certain point, and it does decrease the battery life, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And it's so tempting, too, in an EV to do that because you just press the button with your foot, and unlike a regular car, you've got all that torque right away. Yeah, just like, oof. So just like when the when the drums kick in or something else, yeah, it's very similar in that sense. And I know most of the time when I've gotten speeding tickets, it's because I've been listening to music and not paying attention to the speed limit and you're caught up in the music or you're singing along or doing something like that. And you're kind of, Oh yeah, I'm, I was speeding quite a bit then. So that's more science you're throwing at us there. That's just my anecdotal. <laughs> <laughs> but John, I would imagine, wouldn't that be applicable to gas cars as well? Perhaps you drive faster in a gas car. It's not as good on the mileage, right? Well, yeah. But the thing is that the faster you drive in an EV, especially if you're on the highway, for example, yeah. that is the worst uh, efficiency use of your battery Okay, versus city driving where you're stop and go when your, your regenerative braking kicks in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, that's a way that EVs kind of repower themselves, the braking system. Because yeah. when you take your foot off the uh, throttle there, um, 
the braking kicks in automatically and it doesn't use the brake pads. It just kind of uses that energy. It basically just slows the motor from rotating. Yeah. So that's also a nice plus about EVs is you don't worry about your brakes as often, but the, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I mean, my car gives me a, sort of a monthly sort of health status update. And we've talked about this before, but regenerative braking gives me back almost half of the fuel or the energy that I put into the car. Really? In a that, month. M- that much? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think an average month was about 2,100 kilowatt hours. Yeah. And I get about 900 of it back through regenerative braking. Wow. Yeah. Have you calculated how much you spend per month on electricity? <laughs> it's it's not a perfect amount. Yeah. But my hydro bill went up $11 a month when I started plugging in. Oh, that's nothing. And, and then I figured, well, you know, occasionally I do pay to charge somewhere. So on a bad month, I might spend 20 bucks. Yeah. Total. So I drove heavily in the last month with my Tesla and I think my bill was around $90, but that included a bunch of supercharging. Right. So it was about, honestly, it's probably about $60, $70 in electricity yeah. at home. And then- Well, you've got a level two at home. I just have yeah. a level one. Yeah. So. Just the regular 110 yeah. outlet yeah. on it. So- Interesting, eh? Yeah, who likes paying $2 for a liter of gas? <laughs> not, not me right now, but you got to be careful with what music you're listening yes. to right now. But I mean, the challenge right now <clears throat> is even finding an EV out there. They're just like non-existent, right? Well, I, I've heard even, even gas vehicles are getting hard, are still hard to find. And people are being offered way more than they should be cash for their used vehicles now, yeah. regardless so- of EV or, or otherwise. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I've i seen some of these dealerships that have, a, you know, a few used Teslas and they're getting close to like new prices. Right, just because you can't buy them anywhere. Yeah. And most new EVs, you're lucky if you can get anything this year. Yeah, yeah. Like and Tesla it, said they're sold out for this year Yeah. in Canada and in, in the US. And I know Kia's got a couple of models. You can't get them till 2023, maybe 2024. Crazy times. We're going to have to take another break when we come back here to get connected. More tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show. It's on every Sunday here on the Chorus Radio Network or Saturday nights if you're in Toronto. App Show is all about the world of apps and mobile tech. It's it's a really cool program if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet. Coming up on uh, the next app show we'll be talking with the folks over at a new social web browser there hasn't really been any big new browsers in a long time i mean we've got chrome and safari firefox firefox microsoft edge i can't remember sure sure um duck duck go yeah Um, there's opera opera well we're gonna be talking with the hover folks that's spelled hvr about how their browser is different and how it integrates that whole social connection so that you can kind of talk and discuss things with the community. We'll also be talking with the folks at Turo. Looking to make a few extra bucks when you're not using your car? Well, they've got an app that allows you to do just that. And some people are making some decent coin on this. You could definitely pay for that EV car payment. Exactly. Really have to thank all the folks that helped put Get Connected together. John, of course, my... uh, uh, my friend and co-host, he's also the producer, and uh, Robin uh, in the background uh, as well. We'll see you again next time.